A lot of news has come up with regard to the iPhone 15, from physical to internal. Um, obviously, we've mentioned quite a few things in the last few months uh, about those some of those rumors. Um, but here, uh, we have a lot of confirmation of some certain things. So we'll go through um, what we have through whether it's Mac rumors, 9to5Mac, or whatever it is. So uh, first thing is, uh, these are the eight main things accounted for by Mac rumors. Uh, first thing is the titanium frame. Uh, the ultra-thin curved bezels, faster USB-C ports with the pros and beyond supporting at least USB 3.2 or Thunderbolt 3, Wi-Fi 6E, increased RAM, uh, with the increased RAM, by the way, just as a side note here, the 15 and the 15 Plus will have 6 gigabytes, and everything after that will have 8 gigabytes. So, just so you're aware there. Uh, the 15 series, excluding the 15 itself, will have capacitive buttons or solid state buttons uh, the buttons will function similar to that of the iphone se where haptic is involved uh, and finally for the pro max there will be increased optical zoom instead of it just being a uh, 3x like the 14 pro it could have at least 6x optical zoom by the way this is just a reminder that the lineup for this year is as follows we've talked about it four but 15 15 Plus, 15 Pro, and 15 Pro Max, or Ultra, it is yet confirmed whether this model will take the form of the Ultra or if the Ultra will be released next year. Um, coming off of that article, it is confirmed that this series will have the dynamic on dynamic island for all devices, so no pun intended, that's a plus there. Um, before we move on to the actual rumors, did you have any comments on those confirmations at all? Or No, not really. I mean, this is... You know, obviously, this is stuff we've kind of heard in the past, and I guess they're confirming it now. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and on top of that, we're still quite a few months away from that launch happening in the fall, anyways. So uh, there's really not too much to break down. Um, I know a lot of people are excited about, you know, USB-C and such. So um, yeah, it's kind of how I feel. Okay, yeah, I figured so. It's stuff we basically heard, but this is all confirmation here. So. Um, so yeah, here are the rumors actually, uh, and one that has come from Mac rumors and Nine to Five Mac at the same time is that the lineup could have some colors returning to the stage. Uh, first off, is the sort of burgundy red, or what Nine to Five has described it as dark sienna. This color would only be for the Pro and Pro Max. For the Pro, the color silver gold and product red would be used, and for the standard fifteen, telemagenta and Picton blue have been rumored to be added and would be accompanied by red, white, and black. Uh, I They didn't mention plus, but I assume the plus would have the similar um, status of the uh, base model. Did Did you say the Pro had a product red? Yes. Well, that's a first. Yeah, I know. I was kind of surprised by that, too. A lot of people were surprised by that in the comments. Um, but yeah, that's what they, they... It did say there was red for the base model. It didn't say whether that was product red. I'm, I assume it is, but that's just a speculation. Um, so yeah, this giving us eight color variants this year, which is pretty awesome in my opinion, mainly because we haven't had this many colors in a long time. Um, one of the rumor is that the 15 could be just a little bit bigger than the 14. Not by much, but still something worth mentioning, I suppose. So... Um, I know we discussed the 15 on here a little bit, but, uh, you know, we do want to give you guys updates on the status of this product. So um, any other thoughts on that, JD, at all, or just that's the 15? 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, kind of. That's that's pretty much it. It's not really anything that I'm you know super excited about. Uh, I think more of my attention goes to the ultra. That's I think is more um, expected to come next year uh, instead of this year. So, yeah. Um, I mean, adding some colors, that's great. Um, I did see that one online as far as the red, so that looks pretty interesting. But um, outside of that, not really. So um, I feel like there might be some changes to get excited about. Other times I feel like there's not a whole lot. So, I mean, at least it's not one change, just like adding a dynamic, dynamic island and that's it. Yeah. Um, I, I think this is better in terms of upgrading. It probably is in, in some ways. Opinion, but yeah. But so. uh, yeah, with that, we will actually go ahead and move on to the next topic. Uh, we'll go to the opposite side of the spectrum with Google. And this one is the Pixel 6 series. So that'll include the 6, 6 Pro and 6A, as well as the latest 7 and 7 Pro, uh, which you haven't, if you haven't caught on to that, those are all the Tensor SOC specific models. Uh, but people are actually reporting on Reddit and Twitter that their models are seemingly crashing and then rebooting when viewing a specific YouTube video. Yeah, I heard uh, about that. Now, we would obviously post the YouTube link in the description, but what's the point, since everyone would probably just play into the whole curiosity kills the cat mantra. <laughs> True. Uh, however, obviously, you should still be aware so you don't come up on it accidentally or search for it. The video is an HDR 4K clip from the 1979 sci-fi thriller Alien, uh, and it's entitled, quote-unquote, Alien 4K HDR, uh, with the pipe symbol, Get Out of There. Uh, Currently, the only variant of this clip that seems to be manifesting this problem is actually served up on the YouTube channel Apex Clips. Uh, Now, I will say that so far there hasn't been any... Yeah major detrimental issues with this problem as it all happens to, as I said, your phone would crash and then reboot. Uh, Some Mm -hmm. have even reported that their cell connection is no longer there, but that was also solved by performing a manual reboot just to get everything realigned as normal. So um, nothing like major headlining, but we just figured, you know, I know that's, again, that's a popular model or those are popular models. Mm-hmm. Um, with some very desirable designs on the back and such. So people do get into that. And there's actually some stuff that will be reflected later on in the episode with these um, tools. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, if you do see that, I would kind of just veer away from that for now until uh, or either that or just view a different channel that has that clip. So we will actually stick right on with the Android mm-hmm. and move into the S23 Uh, or actually S23 Ultra to be more specific. Uh, This is another issue that has actually surfaced, and according to Samsung, it isn't actually an issue or quote-unquote a defect. Um, Many people are actually noticing that either on the left or right bottom corners of the front of their S23 Ultra, uh, there is somewhat of a flaw that can be seen, uh, which begs the question why they are seeing this on their, well, $1,200 phone. Hmm. Um, one person in particular saw a reply on Twitter from Samsung stating that this is not a problem and is the result of having the screens um, be bonded with several layer of several layers of glass. So hmm. if you guys click on the link in the description, it'll kind of show you what it looks like. It didn't look like anything super crazy to me, but I can see why certain consumers would say, hey, this looks like it's a flaw or defect or some sort of deformity in there. Yeah, we've discussed this before where if you start seeing a lot of issues with the products 
and the company gives a side glance but nothing else kind of begs the question like is it a major issue or yeah it's hard to tell what you know when a manufacturer says something like that like okay is that them just kind of pawning me off or is this just a legitimate response and I don't have anything to worry about so, but yeah, if you are noticing this on your S23U or even on past models, uh, this has actually been a previous quote unquote defect um, that has been addressed, but some of you may not even be aware of it. So all that to, dis- to say, all that to say, this doesn't really look to be a major problem, but we did want to bring it, att- bring it to your attention in case you were one of those consumers that came across that on your uh, latest gen hmm. S23 Ultra. So uh, the only other thing that I did want to notate on that model is when you're connected to Wi-Fi, it'll actually say connected, but no internet. And again, this is on the S23 Ultra. Hmm. Um, users have been actually experiencing problems with their S23U that says it's connected, but there's no internet. Most of them are saying it's a Wi-Fi 6 connection problem. Uh, okay. One consumer noted such an issue, even though his wife has the exact same model and had no such difficulty connecting or even staying connected to the internet. Um, so Samsung admitted that they're aware of the problem and that the next update will actually address this issue. Oh, that's good. Uh, however, for now, yeah, it is good. I mean, at least they, they're owning up to it and saying, hey, this is you know something we, we were working <laughs> yeah. on. Um, but however, for now, there are some... I guess I would say Band-Aid type fixes that may help you out in the meantime while you're waiting for that, uh, especially since that update may not come out until after most of your guys' return policies expired. Um, one has actually tried to disable Wi-Fi 6 in the encryption protocol WPA3. Others have actually done a full-on factory reset to solve the problem. Um, and actually okay. another in particular noted that disabling random Mac addresses and switching to phone Mac could help. So that's a little bit in depth. I'm not sure if you want to get that brave, but, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. there actually was an S yeah, yeah. There actually was an S23 owner over at Android central that said he had the same problem and that the February update, uh, helped with this scenario. So. Just one of those crazy things. It's a, it's a new model. It's going to have some quirks and some right. issues or something. So it's not really yeah. unexpected. But um, yeah, just some things to take note of if you guys are um, getting all hyped up on your S23 Ultra and maybe noticing some quirks. Yeah, it is to be expected. But uh, uh, coming actually back to Apple here, uh, we had info from Quo himself that the SE4, that is correct, uh, will be essentially the iPhone 14. Quo has also predicted that this device will house Apple's first own modem, as opposed to the Qualcomm chip that they would normally use. Um, before I continue with my thoughts, um, do you have any of your own? Uh, yeah, on that one I actually do. Uh, I guess the question first would be, when you say it's the 14, does that mean they're just going to, when the 15 comes out, they're just going to stop selling the 14s? Or did I misinterpret that statement? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think so. I think this is literally just. Oh, you're saying the SC is going to have a 14 housing? Yep. Oh, okay. Ooh. I don't know if I like that. No, I don't either. Because I don't know what that what that pricing entails, how that's going to work. Because that is a one, a previous gen design. Yes. On a budget intended phone. Exactly. Uh, they should have just stuck to the XR. Plus, I don't like the flat edges. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. And the uh, rumor that you mentioned, I think, was that actually they were going to be discontinuing the SE. Was that correct? It was either going to be, yeah, they, they were either considering about postponing or, or canceling altogether. So I'm, yeah, I'm guessing, so, you know, things have changed. Yeah, that news shocked me from just that. But, but I totally agree with you. So a lot of people in the comment section of this actual article from Mac Rumors, I think it was, um, they were saying that they either wanted to be in the XR or the 13 Mini. Now, I had actually never considered the 13 Mini because, again, like we mentioned, it was that niche. It was a it was a good product to kind of bring back in sort of this smaller form, but um, it's a lot smaller than the SEs that we've had, so it's debatable. But regardless, uh, this was a poor move, I think, if this is actually true, which I think to most, to give quote credit, I think it most likely is. Uh, the point, like you mentioned, the point of the SC is to give customers the ability to upgrade for a much lower price than they would have if they bought the main lineups. I can tell you right now that if this phone is going to be the 14, it's going to be a lot more expensive than the previous SEs, which means less people are going to upgrade. I don't know why Apple had this idea, but it's a very sloppy job. I mean, unless they found a way to, you know, cut costs on, on production and such. Um, I mean, if you think about it, let's just speculate this for a second. Okay. The 14 with some give and take is essentially a 12. So technically this Pretty design much. has been around for three years. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, 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 you have to take that with a grain of salt. I mean, yeah. yes, there's some small changes. Sure. But... Uh, that design has been around for that 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 long, um, which in the tech world is quite a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's probably that's probably one thing that I could say they have going for them as far as cost efficiency. Um, True. The other thing I would say is to your point about the the comments and the thirteen mini. If if this SE4 actually did house the in-house modem from Apple for 5G, uh, I would be okay with that if that in-house modem, uh, which I would expect it from Apple, yeah. to be more um, power efficient. Yes. Because it's a smaller body. Now, that's probably has nothing to do right now because, you know, we're, obviously it's not going to be the 13 Mini. Right, um, yeah. But that's just to answer that um Pipe dream, I should say. All in all, I'm glad they're keeping the SE line. It's good At news. At least there's that, yes. Um, I'm just kind of nervous about that price. I don't know how, what to expect. I assume Minchi Kuo hasn't said anything to that effect. Yeah. Whether a percentage price increase is expected or how that's you know going to unfold. Um, Let me actually bring that up real quick because it's a bit of a shock. Yeah, and the other thing is as well is, um, what's the point if let's say someone this year? By the way, this is um, it's said to be coming out next year, the SC4. Okay. Um. Yeah. Which which is great. Which which honestly, to your point, is kind of makes more sense because at least still two generations more, but. It's like people who were going to upgrade to the 14, maybe next year. Okay, then just get the SE. 
Like, there's no point in upgrading. Like, the 14 is basically, there's no reason for it at this point. I wouldn't say. The only, the only stipulation to that that I would say is uh, we don't know what's powering it. It probably is going to be a different chip, I would think. Yeah, that's, that's true. It'll they, probably be the 16, 16s chip. So it's kind of they, – they have to make a difference between the two. You can't have the same housing and expect to get away with some One sort other of, thing to mention about this specific uh, SE model is that Quo does – indicate that this could have the touch id on the main power button so i can see that being definitely appealing to consumers yeah and you know with that information i think you're more likely to buy it because for one thing we have had a touch id on a phone since the model 8 so it's yeah i think that's that kind of changes some things. Well, we knew this was possible. We've seen this happen on the iPads. Uh, we kind of actually been waiting for it to take place on the iPhones just because, I don't know, you know, certain people are kind of iffy about Face ID. Um, I think, in my opinion... I like the security of Face ID because there's settings and protocols in it that require you to look at the camera yes, and actually judge your that eyes. That's true. So that means you actually have to be looking at it versus somebody could easily take your phone while you're sleeping, press it against your finger, and there you go. Unlock it, yeah. So yeah, agree with you right that's, there, there, there's pros and cons here. And um, ultimately... I you know I, I think it's a it's a step in the right direction because that's what I've wanted to hear for a long time. And I think a lot of listeners out there, a lot of Apple fanboys as well, would love to get that Touch ID back on an iPhone. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I'm I'm excited. I never thought I'd be excited about an SE, but I am <laughs> more excited about the SE than the 15. I am more excited about the yes, that is that <laughs> says a lot because I'm just kind of sick and tired of these minimal changes. And uh, I'm I'm skeptical, yes, because the price could change. Um, but outside of that, yeah, I think we can jump on to the next topic here because uh, as of now, it's just kind of up in the air, hoping, hoping and waiting. Yeah. So uh, yep. don't ask me why this episode has turned, kind of turned into an Apple slash tech problem solving session. But the next item is in relation to the Sony WF-1000XM4s. In this case, only one consumer has actually seen this issue uh, surface, at least that we know of, and has raised concern about the problem where one of the buds evidently busted open while it was in the charging case. I saw that, yes. Yeah. That was crazy. Now, the problem comes on the heels of noting that the user was using the buds under the firmware version 1.4.2, which is notorious for battery issues. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of unclear if the software degraded the battery health, causing the housing to break away at the seams. But one thing is for certain, if you guys have not updated to 1.4.2, I would strongly discourage you from doing so. And uh, for those of you who have done so, uh, I would also encourage you to update to 1.6.1 if that's available. Uh, that update is actually still rolling out based on regions, and it's hard to say when we will actually see that hit the states. So mm-hmm. um, it actually is worth noting real quick, the next generation WF-1000XM5s, they're actually nearing a launch with the model surfacing on the FCC's website. Hmm. Okay. 
So nothing cool. else is really mentioned aside from the Assume specs, but uh, there's no question we will probably see that hit the shelf sometime this year. Probably, That's good. If I were to guess, I'd probably say before the holidays. When did the uh, the 4 come out? That Was that a couple of years ago? or June 8th, 2021. So it probably could hit the stores around June again, 2023, so two years. Hmm. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So the other next thing I'll actually run into before we get into deals is in relation to the much elusive Switch Pro, or at least some sort of successor to the Switch that we have in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and that still has yet to see much attention other than Nintendo saying that it is coming at some point in time, possibly next year or 2025. But um, that's a model that we expect, or at least we hope, that would compete in the 4K department. And that's what I'm really hoping for as well, because I would love to get a 4K Switch. Yeah. Uh, however, all we have so far as the next model release is a refreshed Switch OLED. Uh, this model is set to release on Mario Day, which actually, for those of you who aren't aware, is March 10th, hence the MAR10. And okay. per the rumors, you can actually expect this model to sport a red finish and then come with a digital copy of Mario Odyssey. Um, outside of that, there really aren't any other changes expected, and you know the internals and tech specs should remain the same. So, um, not really sure if there's anything to be excited about that, at least from your perspective. Not it's kind of a let letdown. Yeah, I know because I was like, oh, good, finally news about the Switch. But no, it's just things that we pretty much already knew. But um, I have high hopes for it that it'll be more than just OLED and 4K. I hope that maybe there's some. Um, I think I mentioned it before, not directly in this podcast, but compatibilities with other different types of Nintendo devices as well. Um, although that's a far you mean, like, stretch. Port adapters, port adapters, yeah, or just being able to like, okay, um, put in like a GameCube, um, thing in there. I guess I don't remember you saying that on a previous episode, but no, well, I we cut it out, and obviously it is a far stretch because I don't think Nintendo's ever going to do this. No, I don't think they will either, but it would just make sense. It would make sense, at least from a consumer standpoint. But also, I think my wife mentioned this as well as you lose. I think the, I think people would still use their own older consoles, but once you get into like everything's combined, those consoles start gathering dust. I think so. Yeah, they would start losing their value. Yeah. Their, uh, oh, what's the term? Well, because because they're vintage. They're vintage, vintage value. Vintage value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, but again, it's it's still a cool thought to have. But uh, regardless, yeah, that's, is. that is great to hear that it, that at least we have some news on that. So, um, but we'll go ahead and move on to deals right here. So, uh, one we have to start with is the MacBook Pro 14. Um, with the M2 chip is getting a $200 price drop. And this is actually the first deal on this model, by the way. And um, it's coming from $1,999 to $1,799. Uh, and it's the 16-gigabyte uh, RAM with the 512 storage option. So, uh, yeah, this is pretty good deal, honestly. Gotcha. That's cool. Uh, yeah, and then we'll actually move on to chargers. So the Anchor USB-C outlet extender is down from $25.99 to $14.99. And uh, I think there's a couple other discounts that we'll throw in the description, but I'll, I'll throw one more charger in there, and that's the USB-C GAN 30-watt Anchor 511. Uh, that's down from $22.99 to $18.39. Okay. Uh, I think outside of that, there just really hasn't been too much other that I've seen. Um, actually, the uh, 
the Google Pixel 7 Pro, that's actually 19% off if you get the G56 model. So that's down from 1000 to 813 hmm. So with actually speaking of the Pixel, um, we have some key photo editing tools that are now expanding to not just the whole Pixel lineup, but if you are a Google One subscriber, you can have access to these tools on yeah. other Android models as well as iPhones. So yep. this is if you are a Google One subscriber. Uh, such tools are HDR effect, where it helps balance the darks and the lights in videos, uh, the new collage editor, as well as free shipping on print orders in the U.S., Canada, U.K., and the EU. So okay. got quite a few bit of tools that are expanding. I'm pretty excited about that. Probably the biggest one that I'm excited about that's probably most desirable is the one where they give you the magic eraser tool. So now that is actually expanding to more users as well. So, yeah. um, which basically just uses the performance of your phone mixed with AI on Google to delete objects in your photo. So, yeah, Google did it first. And then to actually put that onto uh iPhone is kind of like a sort of a kick in the face to Apple a little bit. It's like pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Our stuff is now on your device. So, how about that? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but uh, that's cool. That's crazy here. Uh, next thing we've got here is we have news over from Phone Arena that the 2024 Z Flip and Fold have been leaked. However, this time there will be a couple more models to be added. Both models will be seeing an ultra variant. The base flip will have a QHD plus of 1440p resolution, and the Z Flip Ultra will support 4K. The base fold will support 1080p, and the Ultra will have 2K resolution. There's also talk of Samsung releasing the Tri-Fold, which I feel like at one point we may have mentioned on this podcast. I'm not sure. Um, but regardless, as the name implies, this Tri-Fold or Z-Tab will be able to fold two times from a look of a phone to the size of a tablet. All of this comes from the Twitter account RGCloudS. Um, now, this is a rumor, so it could be true. I've never actually heard of this Twitter user, so at this point, it's hard to tell whether this information is accurate or not. However, it is a rumor nonetheless, which leaves it up for discussion. Thoughts, JD? I mean, I guess they've gotten to the point where they've kind of fight, they've kind of fine-tuned their foldable models. Pretty much, yeah. So it's, I guess it's expected, maybe, that they yeah. would continue to innovate and kind of go a little bit more daring. But I don't know if I'm necessarily excited for it, just because their last first-gen foldable wasn't really the best. Yeah. So it's kind of scary to see what might actually take place. I mean, that uh, trifold of the Z tab is what I'm kind of interested in mostly because, like, a foldable I'm interested tab. in tab. And I'm skeptical, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's there's always an issue with how that's going to work out. You're going to have two creases. Um, yeah. You know, it's, yeah, there are always issues with that. But, uh, so this would be the six. Well, this is this would company the Z Fold Flip Six and the the Flip Six as well. Yeah, yeah, with the, with the two okay. ultra variants. You said twenty twenty four. Okay. Yeah, I was yep. just curious because you did you did say next year. All right. Yeah. Well, so they have time to you know work that out, work out the kinks, and you know making that up. And obviously, it is a first gen type of tab, full tab. So yeah. we'll see how yep. that works. Yeah. Well, that kind of feeds right into what we are going to close out with, and this was uh, with Motorola's take on rollables. Uh, the last thing I wanted to draw attention to for today are the two concept models that Lenovo is toying around with, which made a public debut at the World Mobile Congress in Barcelona. 
one of which features a ThinkPad rollable laptop that opens up in a traditional manner and then, when triggered by a side button, starts rolling more screen from underneath the keyboard out the back and starts elongating the view of the screen as it continues vertically, stretching the aspect ratio. Hmm. Uh, This is said to help with businesses that use uh, more screen real estate as needed, but with a vertical standpoint. Interesting. I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah, it was it was really cool the way that they um, kind of showed this thing off. And I wasn't really keen on the aspect ratio, but I kind of get it if you're you know you're splitting the the windows vertically yeah. versus sideways. I know, or at least I feel like I know, but the majority of majority of us use uh, horizontal split screens. Yeah. That Landscape. just feeds in better, I guess. But, I mean, I can see there might be some software programs that are like, well, we need more vertical use. So yeah, it, I wasn't really sure if that was something that impressed you. It, or It would have been interesting to see a way where they could have maybe extended the screen out further to the right and left, maybe. Um, but I guess... That's, that would definitely be daring. It or you're just talking about just, just the left and the right. You're not talking about vertical as well. Just the left and the right, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, that probably wouldn't surprise me if something like that is probably already been even done so but uh in either case the other model is a smartphone that motorola is adamant about labeling the motorola concept foldable why i have no idea (laughs) uh especially considering that this almost mirrors the old mid 2000s model dubbed the riser uh, so this phone starts off as a five inch touchscreen and then when activated yet again by another side button or even when rotated landscape, the phone starts to unroll in an upward motion or sideways, unveiling the fully integrated 6.5-inch screen. Hmm. Um, there are other features that are reflected with this innovative idea from Lenovo, including a selfie screen when the rollable is retracted, uh, which can be used when the phone is flipped around to utilize larger camera sensors on the back as well as having the phone roll downward from the standard position to reveal the receiver speaker when when a phone call is answered, as well as a selfie camera near that speaker. So they've kind of thought of some things that are cool, and obviously this is a concept. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it's... I feel like... Kind of funky. Yeah, after you mentioned that, I was just thinking, there's a lot of glitches that could happen when you're doing rollable stuff. Because if you have a screen that comes out from inside of the phone, there's a lot of wiring and maneuvering that has to go about doing that, right? And so it's not necessarily detached from the device itself, but it's almost like another entity of its own. And I could see, and if if a certain company is not going about it the right way, there's a lot of glitches that could happen with that because you have no idea especially when you've had no previous experience with making something like that. You have no idea how that's going to work in a sense. And obviously it is just a concept, but I feel like Samsung has a better way of going about that than maybe Motorola does. I mean, yeah, they had their Samsung Flex. Uh, mm-hmm. Even LG had their rollable phone. Um, I don't think that this technology is necessarily new, which I don't think you're actually saying that. No, that, in, I'm not in, saying in, that. In, in that. In that point, I, I think... Um, uh, they've been they've been toying around this for, for a while now. So the fact okay. that they're finally bringing this into a conceptual design for the public to see uh, is almost impressive because uh, even they've stated that we like to give most of our concepts 
a final general public release. That's good. So beta tester. <laughs> we could see this. Um I'd kind of like to see this. Again, this is almost like that uh trifold from Samsung. There's a lot of questioning going on on how yeah. reliable it could be. So or, yeah, actually that just reminded me of the LG Wing. Um that was a device that you tested, I think, and it had a lot of kinks because right. it's one of those devices where it's um what's the word? It has a lot of gimmicks to it, right? I w- would you it does, you would in, say that a, gimbal mode? <laughs> yeah, you would say that a rollable phone is a gimmick, right? Yeah, I mean, I would almost say that a foldable phone is a gimmick, but that has been something that has been refined. It's an longer. industry standard now, I think. Yes, you're seeing it's, even it's something Apple where they've it. yep, and so I think that's something that we will see. Um, the wing. Uh, that was actually a pretty cool phone that I tested. I love that phone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it had some gimmicks. It had some shortcomings, but it was also a first iteration. And I feel like that really helped. And if LG had actually stuck with their mobile plan, um, I feel like they could have really done some damage with some innovative ideas and kept oh, pushing sure. those boundaries. Yeah. And I think everyone, except for the big companies, the big three, I would say, Samsung, Google, and Apple, uh, and even other competitors, for that matter, were actually really disappointed to see LG close down their mobile yeah, division. Yeah, that's true. So, um, but with with that, yeah, there's uh, there's some links in the description. I'll probably even throw some uh, YouTube videos if I can find some on uh, those that actually covered that uh, mobile congress event out in uh, Barcelona. So. All that said, we do hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Uh, Feel free to like, subscribe, share, as well as comment down below if you're listening on YouTube. Um, As always, we really appreciate the feedback from our listeners, uh, especially their opinions. And uh, you can also catch us on Twitter and Facebook. We'll definitely be back next week for more news and updates. This is JD and Riley signing off. Peace out. Peace out.